Well, go ahead and take your Bibles, and we're going to start out this morning in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 22. And my message this morning, it's kind of one where I kind of have a long introduction that I'm going to give. We're going to kind of focus on this Scripture, but then the real message is going to come later on what I'm hoping that we will learn from this this passage. But I'm going to look, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture right here that's from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is one of Jesus' sermons Himself that He preached. And there's some stuff in there that, you know, it's not easy stuff, okay? But I mean, Jesus Himself preached this. We're supposed to obey it. We're supposed to follow it. And there's many, you know, we're real good at coming up with excuses for why we don't have to obey the Bible. Um, people are real good at that. And we've got, there's a lot of good excuses for why people don't want to obey this passage of Scripture too. And, but I want to try to throw that excuse out the window today. And so we'll see what happens here as we preach on this subject. But, um, basically what I want to, the title of my message is, is our obedience strength or weakness? When we obey God, are we being strong or are we being weak? And so let's look at Luke chapter 6 and verse 22. And it says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate from you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Now, does that sound exciting to anybody in here? Uh, not me. But the Bible says, Blessed are ye. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets." But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Wow, woe unto you that are rich. You know, I, one of my favorite lines on uh, Fiddler on the Roof, a guy in there, he said, money is the world's curse. And then the guy in there, he's just like, may the Lord strike me with it. And may I never recover. <laughs> and uh, we struggle with that verse, don't we? Uh, like, woe unto them that are rich. I can handle that curse. I can handle. I can handle having that problem. But the Bible says, "Woe unto them that are rich! You've received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you which hear." Love your enemies. I want you to notice that part where it says, but I say unto you, which hear. Okay? When the Bible talks about hearing, it's more than just hearing audibly. Okay? I know you all can hear me today, but do you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's a different thing right there. And he says, he's talking to those who hear, but I say unto you, which hear. Those of you that get it, obviously we know it's not fun to have people say bad stuff about you. We even know too that it's not even necessarily a sin to be rich. Okay, we under we understand what he's trying to teach here. He's trying to get something across to us here, and so he's. But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them which despitefully use you, and unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye to them likewise. So right, 
right here, everything that we just read in this passage just goes completely opposite of everything that we think, feel, believe. You know, people today are so caught up in their emotions and it's all about how I feel about stuff. But let me tell you right now, if you live your life based on your feelings, you will not obey any of what we just read here. You're not going to obey it at all. And this is a sermon from Jesus Christ Himself that He taught. And I want us to look at some of these things before I kind of get into what I'm wanting us to learn today. But let's look at some of these things that He told us to do. Okay, like love your enemies. Okay, love your enemies. Oh, you know, we throw that around. We like to throw that around. You know, we're supposed to love our enemies. You know, I, I don't, I don't hate the Muslim people. You know, that are, I don't hate the terrorists. You know, because I'm, I love them because we're supposed to love our enemies. But did you know, part of that loving your enemies, it says, do good to them which hate you. Loving somebody is more than you just saying, I love them. You loving somebody is actually doing something for them. Doing something kind to them. Being a blessing to them. Oh fine, I'll love my enemies, okay? I'll go give them I'll go give them a gospel tract. That's being loving because that's what they really need. No, that you know, and that is a good thing to do. I'm not telling you not to do that, but you know that's just going to make them mad, okay? And and that's what we really want to do. We want to get them, you know, here's who the real God is, you know, you got you all can have this. But no, actually do something good for them. Okay, that's really loving your enemies. Being kind to them, helping them out. And let's just admit it, we don't like that. You can try to act like you're all spiritual and oh, I do this, I believe this. No, you don't. I mean, <laughs> we, we struggle with this, don't we? But God said to do it. He said, love your enemies, and it's more than you just saying, I love them. Okay? I mean, what good is it if you love somebody and they have no idea that you love them? Okay? You should show them, shouldn't you? And, you know, how often do we do that for our enemies? You know, whether it be, you know, enemies in a foreign country, or maybe your neighbor who might be your enemy, or a coworker who may be your enemy. Whoever it is, you ought to meet you have to actually do something for them. Okay? And then uh, bless them that curse you. Okay? Bless them that curse you. And now recently I there was some individuals that tried using this scripture where they somebody had said some bad stuff about them publicly and so they publicly went and they sent this guy a gift and they were going to be a blessing to him after he had cursed them fulfilling this passage of scripture and they went and they posted these videos online telling everybody hey this fellow who cursed us we're being obedient to God this dirty rotten scumbag that said bad stuff about us we are going to be a blessing to him, and we bought him a gift that we are sending to him following the scripture, making that guy look even worse. That is not what this means. When it says bless them that curse you, to bless somebody is to say something good about them, it's to say kind words to them or about them. If they really wanted to fulfill that when this person had cursed them, what they should have done is said, Man, you know. I'm, you know that's tough because I have a lot of respect for this man. He's a good man. He's done a lot of good things for God. I believe I'm following God's will, but you know maybe I should check because this this is a good fella. That's blessing somebody that curses you. Somebody who's saying bad stuff about you, you say good stuff about them. 
Okay, and boy, we're, we're so sneaky as Christians. I mean, we twist everything. I mean, if somebody says something bad about us, that's how we do it, don't we? Oh, fine. Oh, you know, Brother Lonnie said that about me. Well, you know, I'm gonna. I just want to be a blessing to him. You know, he can't help it that he's ignorant. You know, he can't help it that he's. He can't help it that he's just a fool and doesn't know a good person when he sees one. And you know, we, we just. I'm just gonna pray for him. Yeah, I love the man. You know. I mean, he's just—he just needs a lot of help, you know, maybe mental help, you know. And uh, you know, we are, and then we, and we do. We think we're being—we think we're being good, but we're being terrible, aren't we? We're—we're we're getting them back. Okay, I mean, Christians sometimes, boy, you know, it's no wonder the world just looks at us sometimes and like I don't have nothing to do with that. We're just—we're pathetic sometimes, and especially on these things we're, we're talking about here. And you know, blessing somebody—it's it, not just about giving them things, especially if they don't need it. Okay? Especially if it's something that they don't even want from you. How are you being a blessing to them? And, you know, especially when you publicly go out there and, and make them look bad. Okay? Now, I mean, I understand humiliating somebody that says something bad about you. You know, I understand. I don't get mad, I get even. I understand all that stuff, okay? And that's what I think happened in that case. But at the same time, don't say it's blessing them that curse you like Jesus said to do. I don't think God was in that one bit. And God's not in it when we do, when we do that kind of thing. God's not in that one bit. It's talking about saying good things. You know, bless them that curse you. Somebody's saying bad stuff about you. You say something good about them. Now, who who wants to do that? We want to defend ourselves, don't we? We've got to prove that we are right. And here's the thing, too, though. I'm just gonna. This is just kind of a side note. If people are saying bad stuff about Liberty Baptist Church, if they're saying bad stuff about you, okay. People, they're going to believe what they want to believe. If they already don't like you, or if they already don't like this church, they are going to believe whatever is said. Okay, that's just that's just the way it works. Nobody is going to necessarily turn people against Liberty Baptist Church just because of their story they're telling. People believe what they want to believe, and so I'm not going to go out there. Trying to prove my case, it's pointless to do that. People believe who they want to believe; they're that stupid. But anyway, in Matthew chapter five and verse forty-three, go to Matthew chapter five. This is from the same same sermon, but Matthew's account of it. He says, "Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you." And do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And Romans 12.14 says, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Okay, Don't say bad stuff about them. Don't talk bad about them. You bless them. And let's just be honest. That doesn't make sense, does it? In fact, I know what you're all thinking when we look at these things. We're thinking this, this is going to portray something else. This is going to make us look bad. This is going to make us look weak. And you know what? I can't really argue with you there, but didn't Jesus say to do this? He said to do this, didn't He? And then He said, pray for them which despitefully use you. Okay? Now, we're good at this too. Alright? People are using us. Well, the Bible says, pray for them which despitefully use you. Alright? I've been used. Dear Lord, get them. <laughs> I mean, that's how we pray. You know, Lord... Will you please make their car break down? You know, Lord, will you please make them get sick? Lord, can they have a car wreck? I mean, 
we're not that obvious about it, but boy, you know, or this is the way we really do. Because once again, we're Christians, we're sneaky at some of this stuff. You know, Lord, I just pray that you will be just and give them not what they deserve, because Lord, what they deserve is death, but show a little mercy and. Just get them real close to it, you know. <laughs> you know we're 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 sneaky about this stuff. And when the Bible says that you know to pray for them, okay, we're you know we're praying on on behalf of them. We're praying for them. We're praying for their good, okay. We're praying, you know, if we're actually supposed to be hoping good prayers that we pray towards them are going to be answered. That God is going to you know bless them and be good to them. Maybe pray a prayer like Jesus did that we talked about last week. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And actually, you know, ask God to just forgive them and, and just let it go. And Lord, while you're at forgiving them, why don't you go ahead and bless them? And let's just admit it, we don't want to do that. And most of the time we don't do that. And we've got a million excuses for why we don't have to do these things. And then how about this one? We hate, you know, turn the, the turn the other cheek. Him that smiteth thee. You know, on thy one cheek, offer also the other. Okay. Now, is this one saying that we're just supposed, you know, that we can't defend ourselves? Okay. And that's not what this is talking about. Obviously, if somebody comes up to you and punches you or something, hey, man, you know, I'm sorry, whatever I did to defend you, go ahead and you know, beat the snot out of me. No, it's not saying we can't defend ourselves. Okay. We're taught in the Bible we can defend ourselves. This is, but basically, when somebody comes and they smite you on the cheek. Back in those days, and even now, it was an ins- it was an insulting thing. Okay, it was an it was an insult. I mean, if somebody comes up to you and they slap you across the face, yeah, it hurts a little bit, but it's more humiliating than anything else, isn't it? To get slapped across the face. And the Bible, I believe, he, Jesus is trying to teach us basically just you know take the insult. You know, go ahead and take the insult. But you know we're always so busy trying to justify ourselves and trying to prove ourselves. If somebody smites us on the cheek, we've got to prove why we don't deserve what we just got. But I believe what Jesus is trying to say is basically just let it go. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they insulted you. But you know what? Turn the other cheek. Let them do it again. Take the insult. Look like a coward. Look like you were the one that was wrong and end it right there. Now, who wants to do that? Okay? I mean, it's just it's just instinctive for us that, you know, if I insult you, you won't insult me back. I mean, it's just natural. Hey, you stink. You stink worse. You know, I mean, just that's what we that's what we do. I mean, we your your kids do that. From the time they're little kids, it's just it's it's human nature, and Jesus said, "Don't do that." So that that's what the turn the other cheek means. Just basically, you know, take the insult and just leave it there. And then, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy cloak, thy coat also. Okay. Now, once again, this here that doesn't mean if somebody comes and robs your house tonight and they steal your DVD player that you need to go find them and give them all your DVDs too. 
Okay, that, that's not that's not what someone. This is actually talking about if you get sued. I believe it's talking about basically just cooperate even with unjust rulings. Because look at Matthew chapter five verse forty, where Jesus is ta- uh, he's preaching the same. It's the same sermon, another account of it. But Matthew chapter five and verse forty. Um, I did not I did not put up my notes. So I'll have to turn there real quick. Matthew chapter five and verse forty. It says, and if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Alright, so if you get if you get sued and they get your coat by law, you have to give them your coat now. You know that cloak that goes with it? Okay, if they ruled in favor of him, they they've decided that he was right. So you know what? Even though legally you don't have to give them that cloak. He probably should have it. Go ahead and do it. Cooperate even when with an unjust ruling. Now, that's another thing we don't like to do too. You know, our society today is just obsessed with fairness. Okay? I mean, everybody is always getting caught up in just the latest, you know, movement to, you know, bring fairness and equality in all these areas. And, and you know, that, I mean, I, I saw a stupid thing on the news just last night. About some girl fighting for girls' rights to wear yoga pants to school, and the news media gave her attention. I'm just like, you know what? That is the most worthless cause I've ever heard of in my life. I mean, good night. The school actually makes a rule that's somewhat decent, and you're going to start this protest and try to get all the girls to wear yoga pants to school. But good night. You know who cares? You know, and and they're always they're always doing these things, just ridiculous causes. And sometimes Christians, we do the same thing, but we just always got to prove that we are right. And Jesus said not to do that. And he and you know, and a lot of times as Christians too, you know, we look at these things, and you know the the verse in the Bible that says you know to leap for joy, you know, blessed are ye when you're persecuted. And it's like we go out looking for persecution so we can glory in that. You know, we go out and, and I don't believe we need to go asking for persecution. But one thing we do need to do is make sure our persecution that we are suffering is for the cause of Christ and not for the cause of sin. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 11, Jesus said, Blessed are you and men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Okay, there's a lot of Christian people that bad stuff is said about them, but it's all true. Well, I'm being persecuted for Christ. Why are you being persecuted for Christ? Well, those people they said that I, you know, they called me a thief. Why are they calling me a thief? I robbed their house. Okay, you're not suffering for the cause of Christ. You're you're suffering as a thief. Okay, and there's a lot of Christian people they get picked on quite a bit, and they try to be like, oh, it's because I'm a Christian. Okay, and we all hate it too when people maybe of other races do that. Something happens, oh, they're just doing this to me because you know they're racist or they're prejudiced. And Christians do the same thing. I mean, Christians sometimes they have horrible work attendance, and you know they maybe they skip they skip work on a Wednesday night or something. That was the final straw. Oh, I got I got fired because I went to church. No, you got fired because you're a sorry employee. Okay, you didn't. You're not suffering for the cause of Christ. Okay, but make sure if you are suffering for the cause of Christ. It's for the cause of Christ and not for the cause of sin. I like what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4. 
in verse 12, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part He is evil spoken of, but on your part He is glorified. But then notice this part, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Many Christian people that are suffering today are suffering because they're wicked. They're suffering because they're backslidden on God. They're suffering because they're doing everything wrong. And they think it's for the cause of Christ. And it's not. But make sure that if you do, your suffering is actually for the cause of Christ. So we don't go out looking for these things. But we see here in Luke 6.35 too, it says, but after it tells us all these things, he says, but love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Okay? So right here we see if we do these things, our reward is great. In Matthew, it's specified your reward is great in heaven. Okay? There will be great blessings from following these things, but many of these blessings are going to come in heaven. Okay? So now, you know, there's a reason though these things are hard to obey. There is a reason that we look at these things and we won't deny them because they're too black and white. I mean, they're too specific. You, you can't argue these are the right things to do. But yet, we do come up with excuses sometimes. We do make excuses. Uh, it's, this is one of these things too. Most, any of you in here today, you could go against these things and most of us aren't going to be mad at you. Okay? I mean, if, you're not, if, you're, if you get back at one of your enemies... You know, we understand that. You know, we we like to see people get their just desserts, don't we? I mean, if somebody did something evil to you and you somehow get them back, or if somebody did something evil to you, okay, and then you know maybe they went and their kid threw a rock through your window or something, and they wouldn't pay for it, but then a tornado came and knocked their house down. That's what they get, you know, for messing with people of God and not doing the right thing. You know, let's just be honest. You know, we're all going to be kind of excited about that. We're pretty understanding of this stuff. We don't make a big deal out of it when people don't follow these things because we're way too understanding. But one of the reasons this is so hard to obey is because we're afraid if we do these things, we will be perceived as being weak, won't we? I'm going to look weak. If 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 I stand there. And I just take that insult. I'm basically saying that person's right in what they just said about me. If I turn the other cheek, I'm basically acting guilty. That person that sued me, if I go and give them my my code also or whatever, if I do, if I go along with it and I don't throw a huge fit, I'm basically going to be admitting that they were right and I was wrong, and I know I was in the right. I don't want to be perceived as that way. You know, as Christians, we're going to look weak. We're going to look like we're just a bunch of wimps and we're going to look like we're a bunch of pushovers. I don't know if you've ever had anybody do that to you before, but I've had that happen before where people tried to 
give me the ugly end of the deal and basically told me because I was a Christian I should be okay with it. And boy, that irritates me when that happens. Well, yeah, you're a Christian, so you're supposed to. You know, I don't have to put up with this. I don't have I don't have to deal with this. I can defend myself. I mean, listen, I can argue with the best of them. You insult me. Let me tell you, I've got more yo mama jokes all ready to go that I could just let you have at any moment. I mean, you don't want to insult me. I mean, I I put your mama down so fast, it's not even funny. (laughs) You know, if I want to, if you try to tell me how tough you are, let me tell you, I know enough Chuck Norris jokes that I could just tell about myself that, you know, I mean, I'll intimidate you like nothing. Y'all didn't know I have a bear rug in my house. It's not a rug, it's not dead. The bear's just too scared to move. And I got plenty of those I could throw away. I can defend myself, okay? I'm strong, I can take it. You know, you come and you smite me on the cheek. I can hit you back. I can hit pretty hard. I know how to fight dirty. I mean, I could, I could, I could be rough. I, I'll hit you when you're not. I can do all that stuff. Okay, and we struggle with these things because we just can't handle being seen as weak, being seen as wrong, and we feel like we've got to help God out. Because if we do these things, if we obey them, we're gonna we're gonna look bad, we're gonna look weak, and it's gonna make God look bad. And the truth, and so back to that question I asked in the beginning: Is our obedience strength or weakness? Are we being strong when we obey these things, or are we being weak? And I'm gonna tell you right now: the truth is, you are being weak when you do those things. But is that a bad thing? Because let's look at what the Bible says. And look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. It says, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I am become a fool in glory. Ye have compelled me. For I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very cheapest apostles, though I be nothing. I want you to see what he was saying in here. Is Paul, he's, he's saying that when I'm weak, that's when I'm actually strong because the power of God is on me. God is now able to use me when I get out of the way. And when I become weak, then I can be strong. Then God can actually do something in my life. You see, because it's often our strength that messes everything up. Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 7 says, And be not ye like your fathers and like your brethren, which trespass against the Lord God of their fathers, who therefore gave them up to desolation as ye see. Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord. You see that? Stiff-necked. You know, what? you know why Israel struggled? Because they were strong. They, they fought against God. They were stiff-necked. How strong were they? Well, in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 4, it says, "...because I knew that thou art obstinate, and thy neck is as an iron sinew, and thy brow brass." 
God's basically telling folks, you're, you're strong. I mean, your neck, it's like iron. I can't bend it. Your brow, it's like brass. I can't get anything through your head. And God was telling you, you need to yield. We need to become as weak. And the problem with us, we think that us obeying Christ there in Luke chapter 6 is going to make God look bad. But the truth is, whenever we get in our flesh and we get in our own strength and we fight, we always end up making ourselves look bad, don't we? Whenever we go according to what our instincts want to do, our human nature, we always get get ourselves in trouble, don't we? And God wants us to just yield ourselves to Him. He wants us to become weak. And then if we will become weak, now God can do a work through us. But the truth is, we never give God a chance. I mean, do we really think God can't handle our enemies? Do you really think God's just going to let us get beat down and God's going to let us get you know run through the mud and our name destroyed because we obeyed Him? No, God's going. that's when God can step in and show Himself strong when we will just say, you know, when we're obedient to God. God knows how we are. He knows how we think. He knows we want to pulverize that person that's insulting us and that's saying, God knows we have the ability to just tell that person off to where we could have them running away crying. God knows that we can do that, but when we yield ourselves to Him, now God can work through us and we can actually accomplish something. And the Apostle Paul, he brought that up. He's like, he's like I learned. God's strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul had a problem in the flesh, an infirmity in the flesh that made things difficult for him. But he realized that that weakness of his caused him to trust in God more, which made him stronger. And so the truth is, being obedient to God, it is, it is, it's becoming weak. It is weakness. And it will be perceived as weakness by us, but if we will... Just trust God. He will be able to show Himself strong through us. But we've got to get out of the way. And I love how Paul said this here because Paul, he didn't like to talk about himself. Paul wasn't like a lot of Baptist preachers who loved just getting up and reading one verse and then they talk about themselves the rest of the time. Paul didn't like doing it. And I love what he said here. He's like, He said, I'm become a fool in glory. But he says, but ye have compelled me. You made me do it. Okay, you know, you're asking, you're wanting to know these things and you know, he's like, you talked me into you made me do it, and he tells this story. He tried to tell this story if you read the whole chapter, like it was about somebody else, because he didn't want to build himself up. He didn't want to make himself look too good. But it was like they drug it out of him. Yeah, that one who got all those revelations from God, it was me. But let me tell you, this is why God has used me the way He has, is because I am weak. I am nothing, and God is able to show Himself. He has showed Himself strong through me. But it's because of my weakness. And what we need to stop doing is stop trying to be so strong and stop trying to prove we're so great and we're just all that in a bag of chips and just go ahead and be nothing. And let the world even think that we are nothing. Take the insult. Take the persecution. Take the wrong. And just trust God that He will show Himself strong. Do you think God is going to allow our obedience... To make him look bad. No. If we're obedient to him, God's going to be glorified in that. Now, we might not be. We might get laughed at. We might people might think we're a coward. But are we here to make ourselves look good, or are we here to make God look good? And you might think, well, it's going to make God look bad. God's not going to let that happen. Okay? God will show himself strong. See, what we need to do, we need to become 
unqualified to qualify. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24 says, But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Okay? We, we are not here to prove ourselves. Okay? God wants, we're here to prove God's who He is. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And truth is, too many Christians today, they are all about themselves, proving themselves, making themselves look good. And you know what? We're not supposed to do that. If, if you really are going to be used of God, if God is going to be able to accomplish anything in your life, you're going to have to become you know, foolish. You're going to have to become you know, the base, despised, all those bad things. Those are the ones I use. That's who I use. And we have to become that. We have to become the weak. We have to become the unqualified. Too many people, before they serve God, they've got to try to get qualified first. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not good enough, or I'm too good to do that, or, I'm not, or they'll think I'm not good enough to do that. The truth is, if you feel you're not good enough to do it, you're probably the one that God wants to use. If you feel like you are qualified, you probably aren't the one that God wants to use. Because God wants to show himself strong. And if you know that's why, you know, most of the most intelligent, most charismatic, best looking, successful, all the you know, people that just have it all usually aren't preachers. They're usually politicians. And, and who usually gets the best of those guys? You know, the devil usually does. Why? God doesn't use them because they'll, you know, they can glory. You know, if, I, if I did, if I had a super high IQ and was real intelligent and I was just up here just dazzling you all with my brain all the time, well, God's not going to be glorified in that. And you know what? If I had that ability, I probably would do some of that stuff. So, God didn't give me that ability. So, I got, I got to struggle. I gotta, I gotta work a little harder than I think some people do in, in different areas to do what I do. But one thing, because of my infirmities or weakness, it causes me to trust in God a little more, and that's what He wants. That's what He wants from you, just to trust in Him. You need what needs to happen. You need to become dead to self. Look at Colossians chapter three. And this passage is interesting because as saved people, you know, we constantly see just this theme of life. Okay, you know, I mean, we have, as saved people, we have eternal life. You know, he that believes in him shall never die. I mean, we are we are living. We're never going to die. But yet, Colossians chapter three, verse one says, "If ye then be risen with Christ," which implies life. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. 
For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. What? Whoa, we're dead? What's he talking about there? Well, he's talking about being dead to the flesh. Being dead to self. When we do all the opposite of what God said to do in Luke chapter 6, that just proves that we're alive. If you want to insult somebody that insults you, that just proves that you are a living, breathing human being, doesn't it? Because that's just, that's just natural, isn't it? I mean, trying to defend yourself, trying to prove yourself right, those are. Any living, breathing person is going to do that type of thing. But it's what God said not to do, and He's told us that we are dead. And that's talking about dying to the flesh. Paul talked about how I die daily. And that's what we've got to learn to do. We've got to learn to mortify these members. We've got to crucify this flesh. We've just got to become dead to it and just follow after God. But many of the things that, you know, the verses that we make excuses not to obey is because we let our flesh get in the way. And God never does anything through us. You know why? Because we're too strong. We're too strong willed. We're too stiff necked. And. God's just trying to get through to us. He's trying to use us. But for Him to do that, we have to become weak. And listen, there's only one, or there is, there is no one, there is no one in this world who could say that Jesus Christ was weak in any way. I mean, He was a man that went to the cross and could have got off at any time. He took a beating. He could have stopped at any time. You and I couldn't do that. You know, We could take some serious pain and torture if we had no choice. Okay? But most of us, if we were going to be tortured and we had the choice to stop it at any moment, we'd stop it real quick. I saw a guy one time that tried to prove that waterboarding wasn't torture. And he let some people waterboard him. But he had the ability to stop it whenever he wanted to. And you know, I, I know people can take waterboarding for quite a while, you know, and not die. But this guy, when he had the choice to stop it, he stopped it immediately and declared, it's torture. <laughs> and I haven't even got brave enough to let somebody try it on me yet. But the truth is, Jesus Christ took every bit of that and could have, He could have stopped it. It was not forced on Him. He could have stopped it. Jesus Christ definitely was not weak. Yet even Jesus Christ surrendered to the will of the Father. He said, not my will, but thine be done. We just need to get over ourselves. That's why we don't want to obey things like Luke. And you know, Luke chapter six, these aren't the only things that we make excuses for in the Bible. There's all kinds of things that people make excuses on why we don't have to obey them and why we try to uh, you know, we find ways around it. But the truth is, we just need to get over ourselves. Stop trying to prove we're strong and just go ahead and be weak. Go ahead and be seen as weak. You know, let's go ahead and we'll we'll let the world and we'll even let other Christians look at us as a church and say, you know, you guys are a bunch of goofballs. You're weird. You're wrong. Okay, fine. Go ahead and say that. We don't have to defend ourselves. We just need to trust in God, keep doing what He said to do, and let Himself show Himself strong through us. But as long as we're strong, it's not going to work. And we need to become weak. God said, my strength is made perfect and weakness. So, let's become weak so God can use us. So, with that, let's all stand together. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. Some tough stuff in there. I'll admit it. It's 